Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. LMFM Podcasts. Brought to you with Cross Credit Union, where dreaming of warmer climates becomes a reality with a Cross Credit Union holiday loan. O'Neill Street, Cross or CarkmacrossCU.ie. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Get lowest can be APR, zero deposit required, and finance arranged within four hours with all 192 pre-ordered Renaults. What are you waiting for? There's never been a better time to visit Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda or Cavan. Hello there, good afternoon and you're very welcome to the Late Lunch this afternoon where we have a packed show to get through so I hope you can stay with us. It's John Larkin again here sitting in for Jerry this afternoon. The number to call us with your comments and questions is 086 658. Now our first item today is probably something a lot of people can relate to and that's bringing back your old library books. We've all been guilty of keeping a library book a little bit too long but Louth County Library reckons that one book which was returned to them yesterday is their most over you book ever. Library assistant Andrew Lawrence is on the line to tell us more. Andrew, how are you? Hi, not too bad. How You're are you? very welcome to Late Lunch. Andrew, a book came back yesterday. When was it checked out? So we reckon it was checked out around the 6th of December in 1963. Good Lord. So it was due back on the, it was due back just before Christmas that year. That's even before I was born. <laughs> and you reckon that's the longest one, the longest, most overdue? We do. We think. We think so. We've not done any kind of counting on that now, but it's the only one that I've seen um, from before I was born. I have to say. You must have been amazed when it arrived back. Yeah, yeah. It was a surprising one, all right. Um, it was good to see you now. I mean, it's an interesting book to look at, and to be honest, it it's kind of worn down. But for a book that's uh, kind of crossed the Atlantic Ocean, it's done quite well. Yeah, there is a story behind it. What kind of book was it, first of all, Andrew? So the book is History of Ireland and it's by um, E.A. Dalton. So it's a book about um, Irish history from 1649 to 1782. Okay, someone with an interest in history then took this book out. Yeah, it's quite a long book, so they just took their time getting through it, I think. Okay, and where did it turn up? Um, It 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 crossed over the Atlantic, you say. Tell us about that. So um, the borrower that had taken this book out the the family had actually moved over to Canada for um, for a number of years so um, they must have taken this book with them and I don't know if they realised that they had it with them in Canada but they brought it back with them to Dundalk so that's where that's where uh, he lives at the minute 
Right, oh, so it's amazing you took the book all the way to Canada and then back again because you know yourself when you're packing for a long trip like that you'd hardly be bringing big books with you. No, everything kind of just gets thrown to the wayside if it's not if it's not vital to take but so either they felt a keen sense of duty to return this book or they weren't even aware that, that they still had it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So tell us then what, what um, where it was found eventually and you say it made its way back to Dundalk. So yeah. presumably it came back with the same family. Did it stay in the it, same family? Yeah, yeah it's, the same, it's, the same, it's the same person that checked it out initially and still had it and brought it back into us. Oh, really? It's the exact yeah. same person? It is, yeah. Oh, I thought it would have passed down through to somebody else in the same family, but it was the same person who took the book out who yeah. brought it back. Yeah. Right. OK, so was that person worried? I wonder at all that there'd be a fine. No, um, no, not too, not too concerned. I mean, we've it's been well publicised from the start of the year that all libraries in the country have scraps um, and any of these. So there was never a uh, worry that I think he just thought that I think he could see the humour in it as well. Yeah, he just came across it. I mean, this is a he's been living back in Dundalk for thirty or forty years at this point. So um, it was a long time, even in this country, for it to not turn up. So, yeah, so since the fines, of course, that used to be the dread. You'd take out a library book, you'd forget all about it, and then you'd say, oh, my God, now I owe a fortune, and people wouldn't bring it back. Yeah. Do you think since the fines have been scrapped, there's more people bringing back books that they took out maybe months ago? Um, I would say so, yes. We'd see see it every now and then. Just nothing nothing quite as late as this now, but um, we would get books that are overdue by a number of months, and while... This time last year, there might have been a fine of three euro on the book. There's now, it's now bank of four, just happy to get the book back so that you can reactivate the account and keep on, keep on reading. And Andrew, what's going to happen to this book now? Is it going to be just put back on the shelves? Well, it's actually, the book is that old that it isn't actually on our system anymore. So we don't, it, we would have changed all the barcodes and everything a number of years back. And this is, uh, it, it doesn't exist as far as our computers are concerned. Okay. So we're going to have to send it over to be catalogued and then it will be most likely placed up in the reference library. Of so course, yeah. You old books upstairs that you can come in and you can read them when you're in the library. Of course, yeah. Everything's computerised now. I'm old enough to remember the days you went in, you got your little ticket stuck in the front of the book, stamped when you took the book out and when you're yeah, meant to bring it what, back. That's what this has now. Does it still have all of that, yeah? It still has it, yeah. It still has the first time it was checked out and the original catalogue and date and everything for it. Oh, isn't that amazing? You should put it on display in the library. Oh, we will indeed, yeah. And, and and have a little note there saying this is the most overdue book ever and put it in a little glass case. Yeah, we must do. <laughs> Andrew, it's a great all yarn altogether. Thanks a million, That's Andrew awesome. Lawrence, Louth County Library. Thanks a million for taking the time today to chat to me. Take care, Andrew. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. To celebrate the official opening of our Dundalk dealership, Blackstone Motors are giving away a 191 Renault Clio. Don't miss out. To enter, visit Blackstone Motors in Dundalk or Drogheda now. And you're very welcome back to Late Lunch. Don't forget the number to call or WhatsApp us with your comments and questions is 086-1800-658. Now it's on your bike with a huge difference from my next guest who's aiming to cycle only 380 miles this weekend and using a hand bike. Dundalk resident Mark Nugent will cycle from Mizzen to Malinhead propelling the bike using his hands. He joins me now on the line. Hello, Mark. Hi, Joan. How are you? I'm great. You're very welcome to Late Lunch, Mark. You're going to cycle 380 miles this weekend using a handbike. What on earth put this idea into your head? 
Um, yeah, we're, we're going to do it over the course of the week. Um, we're starting this weekend down in Mizzen in uh, County Cork. It's for uh, two great charities, uh, Spinal Injuries Ireland and uh, Breast Cancer Ireland. And we have a GoFundMe page. It's uh, Mark Nugent M2M, if anybody wants support. Um, if I put it into our heads, I suppose, uh, I've always been a keen sportsman. And we've always participated in different things, including the Tour Loud and uh, run by Cucullin Cycling Club up there in Dundalk and all that kind of stuff. So when uh, I had my accident a few years ago, um, Mizzen Tamalan was always on my hit list to do and I'd mm-hmm. never quite got it done. So um, last year, when myself and my wife were chatting about things we could do this year, um, Mizzen Tamalan came to mind and uh, we decided that this would be a good weekend to start, the 26th of May. And hopefully we'll get the 380 miles or 603-odd kilometres done and dusted before the 1st of June, which is uh, Saturday week, you know. And Mark, do you mind taking us back to your accident in 2016 and what happened to you? Yeah, no problem at all. Um, I had a road traffic accident. Um, I was training for an adventure race. Uh, It's called Coast to Coast. Um, And I was out training on my bike and I had a traffic accident that left me paralysed from the chest down. It was a Tuesday afternoon at about 4.30 um, and I just came off the bike and uh, ended up in the Matter Hospital in Dublin uh, where I was transferred or ended up in Blanchardstown in Dublin where I was transferred then to the Matter uh, later that evening and I had an operation at uh, 7 o'clock the following morning uh, to stabilise a fracture that I had in C2 and I had also bursted my vertebrae and my spinal cord at T1, which left me paralysed from the chest down. Um, and I suppose the morning of the the, the 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 morning of the operation is the one that stands out the most. In that, uh, my doctor at the time, Doctor Sinnott, um, asked me what my goal was for uh, to for when I got back out of hospital. You know, and I said I'd like to do I'd done four marathons running, and I said I'd like to do my fifth marathon in a wheelchair. And he kind of turned around to me and said to me, it's less than 12 hours since your accident and here you are talking about doing marathons and wheelchairs. Would you not think about just focusing on getting out of here? And uh, I said, well, I said, I've a lot more on my list. Uh, including, uh, I suppose, missing to Malin this weekend, starting this weekend, you know. That shows an amazing spirit, Mark. I mean, you were still lying in your hospital bed. You'd been told that what had happened to you was going to cause you a life-changing a life-changing injury. And your first thought was, well, when's my next marathon? Hey, yeah, people think I was mad, but um, <laughs> I actually managed to do uh, the Kilkenny Marathon last year. So that got ticked off the bucket list. I got into Berlin for later this year. And um, it's just, a, obviously, when you're surrounded by positive people, and I, I live up in Dundalk, and I'm surrounded by really positive neighbours and stuff mm. like that. So they've always been very sporty and we bounce off each other with sport-wise. So mm. I suppose it never really it never really dawned on me to look on the, the negative side of the thing at the time. Uh, I was probably looking ahead and more focused on what else I could do, you know. Yeah. Did you never think about giving up or saying, oh, to hell with this, it's too much? Did you ever think about that? Were you ever in, in that frame of mind? Um, I suppose you have a bad days and stuff like that, but never for an extended period of time no way it uh, might last a couple of hours or maybe 10 minutes or so but the drive has always been there to succeed um, I'm, as I said I'm, I'm surrounded by positive people yeah. and uh, I've got great support uh, around the area in Dundalk there where I live um, from everybody from the boxing club in Delegan 
to the the local shop and Joe's, you know, right there mm. in, in Hainstown, they've all been supporting me hugely through through the thick and thin of the whole lot of it, you know. I uh, saw a I photograph of you on the bike. Where did you get that bike, Mark? Did you have to order that specially? Uh, they, uh, no, I actually got that bike secondhand. Those bikes are fairly hard to come by. It's a fairly specialist area when you get into it. Um, I drove down last year um, in the bad snow, February last year, in the bad snow to uh, Listowel in County Kerry, and I picked it up off a fellow hand biker uh, who was selling it second, who was selling it to buy himself a new bike. And so I picked it up down there myself and a friend of mine, Connor Dempsey, went down uh, on a Monday morning and we picked up the bike. I left it in the shed for about two weeks and never did mm-hmm. anything really with it. I got on uh, the bike and went from my house on the Avenue Road down as far as the Black Rock Road and back and I nearly died. It was <laughs> two kilometres in length. And uh, I said, I'm never going to do this again. And then I thought, no, get focused and get training. So I started off training and as I said, in Delgan Boxing Club, um, who started me off on a programme to get uh, my upper body strength up to the standard that it needed to be up to. Mm. And um, we started from there, and as I said, I did the marathon last year. And this is the next challenge for Spinal Injuries Ireland and for breast cancer. And in terms of this, this latest challenge, what's your training like now? Are you training every day? Um, I'm on the wind down now. I've, uh, I, I've done as much as I can possibly do. I started off training... Um, really seriously in January. Um, started off with a, an upper body class, uh, followed by a, a spin on a turbo trainer in the shed, and that did I did every day then in the shed uh, for the for the month of January before I went out onto the road. And um, my first training session on the road was a twenty k spin, which basically took me out the Castle Bellingham Road, back into Black Rock, uh, onto the Point Road, and back and around, back mm-hmm. to the Avenue Road. Uh, then. It, it 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 fairly ramps up from there. You start off with 20k, the next week you do 40, the next week you do 60. And up a couple of weeks ago there, I did just over 400k in the week just around uh, around Dundalk. I do 90% of my training around Dundalk. Uh, and I get great support, to be honest, out in the bypass there. You get loads of beeps up by the race course and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm sure loads of people have seen me out there. That's what uh, I was going I to ask you. Yeah, about the other road users. How How are they with you? They're they're fantastic. Um, a, a friend of mine uh, out in Valley Forge built me uh, a high back for the chair because at the mo- uh, for the bike because at the moment I'm about two foot off the ground, so it's hard for uh, vehicle users and car users to see me. So mm. um, Valley Forge built me a, a high back for it, so I have lights and flag and stuff like that on it. But the users on the road have been fantastic. You get encouraging beeps and. I wouldn't be going all that fast and they're very patient with me. Uh, they've, I've never once had any issues with anybody on the road. Anything, Nothing but encouragement, I have to admit. Oh, that's brilliant to hear. So you're off from Mizzen to Mallon. How long do you think it's going to take, Mark? Um, the plan is to do it over the course of a week. We mm. start off in uh, in Mizzen, as I said, on Sunday morning at around 7am. Uh, we're hoping to get to Mill Street in County Cork, which is uh, 135 kilometres later. Uh, the second day, then on the Monday, we're going from Mill Street up as far as Nina in County Tipperary. Uh, our third day takes us a, is a short enough day on Thursday or on uh, Monday. Um, we have uh, our Tuesday. We have uh, Nina to Glasson in County Westmead. Then on Wednesday, we just have a really short day. We have a twenty k spin to uh, just turn the arms and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and then we go from Ballymahon to Enniskillen, Enniskillen to just the far side of Derry. 
City and then Derry City to the finish line on Saturday the 1st of June. Oh, I'm exhausted uh, listening to that, Mark. Is uh, there is there any part of it you think will be tough, particularly tough? It's all going to be tough, I know, but is there one part of the journey where you think will be tougher than the others? The bit coming out from Mizzen is extremely tough. I did a dry run, uh, practice run out there one weekend um, and that, that's tough enough. And then we've got a, a, a lot of climbs from kind of Enniskillen to Derry. That's a very tough section, mm. so that comes second last day. Um, so once we get over them, we'll be there, thereabouts. And I'm, able, I, I, I'm supported by uh, 22 able-bodied cyclists, uh, 10 support crew, and a fantastic lady called Mary Fitzgerald, who is in remission from breast cancer. And she's our, our breast cancer link. She's also married to my wife's uh, uncle. So we've got a good connection there, and me and Mary get on extremely well. And people talk about people being inspiring and stuff like that mm. to other people. Mary has definitely inspired me. And I've had a tough day on the bike. She's texts me in the evening time and she goes, come on, get yourself together and mm. go out tomorrow. And I, I do exactly the same for her as well, you know. So uh, both of us are going to do it side by side. We're going to start off together and we'll finish together. And uh, as I said before, we've got a, a, a GoFundMe page if anybody wants to support mm-hmm. breast cancer and spinal injuries Ireland, where all money raised is going to be split uh, 50-50 between both charities. And the uh, GoFundMe is Mark Nugent M2M. The, um, the number two and an M at the end of it. So it's Mark Newton, the M2M. Mark, you have inspired everybody here in LMFM this afternoon. Best of luck with the training, the marathon, Mizzen to Malin and everything that you do in the future. Mark, thanks a million for talking to me this afternoon. Thank, thank you very much for your Best time. of luck. Take care. Talk to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Opening launch sales offers are now available from Blackstone Motors and we are giving away a 191 Renault Clio. Get down to Blackstone Motors showrooms in Dundalk or Drogheda now to enter. And you're very welcome back to Late Lunch this afternoon. The number to call with your comments and questions is 086-1800-658. Now, my next guests in studio are running a rescue and rehabilitation centre for equines. That's horses, donkeys, ponies, and they work tirelessly for this cause 24-7. They're my lovely horse rescue. Great name, guys. A welcome into studio, Deborah Kenny and Owen Hi. Cullen. Hi. How are you, How are you guys? You. You're all volunteers giving your own time to this rescue to try to save as many animals as you can, determined, as you say in your blog, to end the suffering of equines in Ireland. Delighted yes. to have you guys in studio. Can you tell us, let's start with you, Deborah, a little bit about my lovely horse, how you got the name, no prizes for guessing that um, one, and <laughs> when you set it up. Um, we set it up nine years, it's been nine years ago this September, we set it up. Um, there's Cathy, myself, and Martina, my sister, Martina Kenny. Um, we just we were just friends from Dublin walking our dogs. We met in a in a park, and we Cathy uh, was involved with dog rescue. Me and Martina were involved with Dogs Aid, which are based in Finglas. Um, we're still involved with them. We're still in the commission with them. And um, amazing people over there. Maggie's amazing. So we were with them for for years, and we said we want to do something for the equine end. So we just decided to try to do something for it, and. Um, took two horses out of Dublin uh, that were, were dumped and put them into into a livery yard and then we got another two and another one and and here we are down the road, yeah. And you so put them into livery, private livery yourselves? Yes. So you yes, had to pay for this, we obviously. Did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were yeah. all self-funded by, by the three of us and then we, we tried to do a little bit of um, shaking buckets on Grafton Street, which we were already doing for Dog's Aid. Um, and then we just did it for ourselves and, and then Dog's Aid bought us our first horse box 
Maggie gave us a load from money and bought us our first Livy Hospital horse box that we still have and we use EP every year. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so they were amazing to us. And we, yeah, sure, I didn't pay my mortgage for like a few months because, <laughs> because you were having to pay livery for a horse instead, you know. So. <laughs> okay, so it's just it's a love of animals in general Absolutely. then led you down this path, was Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And yourself, Owen, how did you get involved? Yeah, um, I, uh, I'm i in a business network group with uh, Martina and uh, just kind of over four years ago she had been saying that they were moving into a premises in Kildare um, as a rescue centre and they needed help um, and my day job I suppose, I'm, I'm a painter and decorator um, and I suppose I'd be a little bit handy, you know, I, I like mm. kind of DIY so uh, I just said I'd pop down one Saturday to give a hand and kind of the rest You're is there history since now. Yeah. You went down to do a bit of painting. Well, I, I no, I, I actually didn't <laughs> go down to do painting because, because I, it's my day job. Yeah. I, I said I'll go down and do anything but painting. Uh, All right. Okay. But, uh, no, we did. We'd we done a little bit of painting just to help out and then it just took off from there. And, you know, you, you kind of you see the need of, you know, exactly what needs to be done down there. There's an awful lot of work. Mm. And the more it's built now over the last few years, the more work there is. Yeah, build it and they will come, as they say. Absolutely. So how many equines have you at the moment? Um, On the farm, on the farm, we've uh, we've over 100. We've just over 100 on the farm. Um, In our care in total that we're looking after with fosters um, as well. Joan, you would know about our lovely fosters. I do. Um, I'm one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Only recently. Yeah, but I'm one of them. I have. Yes, I will admit I have three of your lovely little ponies at home at my place. Yeah, little devils that they are. (laughs) But Um, you love them. You got to love them. Absolutely. absolutely. I never thought I'd have ponies, but there you go. You have a bit of land, as you say, build it and they will come. Absolutely. Yeah. So (laughs) So we have. Yeah, we've we've got just over 100 at the farm between the the horses, um, donkeys, um, goats. We we took in another extra goats there during the week. So we've a lot of goats and our pigs, of course, and a lot of our dogs. We've got a lot of dogs up there for homes and cats as well. Okay, we're going to build a cashew at the moment, but then out in Foster, we we probably on our books for that we're looking after in total be over two hundred horses. Okay, so we started off talking about horses. You started off working with dogs aid and dogs. Then we moved into horses. Then we went stretch that a little bit because we've donkeys and and probably a few ginnets and whatever else is in there and ponies and spiders. Yeah. And now you have pigs. Yeah, Hang on, pigs. How, how did it move from that to pigs? We goats, just got a call. We just get a call. Any any animal that like anything with four legs or three legs, or sometimes people even we take in. But um, <laughs> any time anything with like with the four legs, we will we will help us. Like yeah. we we got we've got sheep over at Cathy's. Yeah. Um, we've got most of the pigs were Cathy's, and um, yeah, we've got a call about calves and that. So we we will try help anything that needs help. We will help us. How do you manage? Do you hold down day jobs as well? We all, yeah, yeah, yeah. We both work. We both have full-time jobs. Um, but the last few weeks has kind of, you know, taken it back to that with, with us being on radio and having to do different things, which is amazing for the for the rescue. Yeah. Never thought we'd see ourselves here, which is which is which is mad. But um, but yeah. So we just it's literally we're out all the time, just trying to get funding, get money. Um, we were on Grafton Street on Sunday trying to just get money in for the rescue. We need it. We need money to keep us going. You must and need an enormous amount of money to keep absolutely. going. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we do. It's, it's, it's we quite do. A, like it's, it's a huge undertaking in terms of the amount of animals we have yeah. on the farm. And they're mm-hmm. expensive and to keep it's going. It's not just vet bills. There's feed bills, you know. Mm. What would your average feed bill, let's say, what's a hay bill for a year? 
Well, our, in general, this, let's this say this year uh, we're looking at about yeah. sixty to eighty thousand. Sixty um, to eighty thousand yeah, euro just for hay, yeah, just for hay. Because alone. of the the weather over the last couple of years has mm. been particularly bad. There was a shortage of grass, basically, mm. um, and we have a, a serious shortage of grass on on the rescue. So that's why we have a constant yeah. need for hay. And how, yeah. where do you get it? I mean, are people forthcoming with this? It's it's the farmers who who make hay this summer now will say they need it. They yeah. need it for their own. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've heard that for the last year, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but there are there are there are good suppliers out there who 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 don't have their own crop of animals or, or you know herds of cattle or whatever. So mm. they purely make it to sell it. Yeah. Um, so we we do have we've a number of suppliers. Yeah. But it's a constant thing. Like when when one guy runs out, then you have to think, okay, What's do the you next? have a number of somebody else? Yeah. Or, yeah. We put a, an, an appeal out on Facebook, maybe to say, yeah. "Listen, we're, we're we're looking for hay. Yeah. Does anyone have any contacts? Yeah, and then we'll we'll make. Yeah, we're always looking. If anybody out there has hay, we're yeah. always looking for hay. You'll always. take any yes, hay. You'll absolutely. take anything. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So you're presumably always looking for money as well, thinking money. up ideas for yes. fundraisers. Yeah. Like even if it's a thing where somebody, if somebody wants to give money to our, our feed company, because we get a lot from uh, Town and Country in Trim, and mm. um, is where we get our feed. So even if somebody wants to go in there and give money to that and put it off our account that would be amazing yeah, yeah you know? actually so can we talk a little bit about some of the horrible things that you do see in the world of animal rescue um, all over the media this past week has been the photograph very distressing image of a mare dead on the banks of the canal in Dublin and her little foal beside yeah, her yeah. I mean how does stuff like that happen in this day and age that was a very distressing image and yeah. it was all over social media so it's nothing new people have probably seen it we've um, seen it so much yeah, yeah. it is sad and you do get upset when you see these things it is upsetting um, but she she went down a Apparently, um, the authority, the Dublin authorities got in touch with it. Uh, um, up there and they got a call about it and they were called out and they went out and she died or had to be put down. I think she had to be put down by the vet there on the spot because she got in trouble trying to have her foal. Um, apparently, the foal was too big for her. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't know what covered her, um, what the stallion was or who was. You never know because there's so many of them just hanging around, you know, living around. Um, the horses are just they're all on that canal there in that area where she was now apparently she was there last year the same mare and had a foal last year mm-hmm. and had been seen and then this year she just got into trouble Okay. now it's not it's not the authorities' fault in Dublin that she got left there it's the council to, to remove her Um but what we all what we would always do, we would hound the council, we'd hound whoever owns the land, um, to get the horse removed because it's not fair on people to see that. Yeah. It's not fair for the dignity of the horse to be left like that. Yeah, and that's why our volunteers went up and covered her up that night because yeah. she'd left. She'd, like, yeah. it's we, horrible. We were getting to see. constant it's um, for us to phone see. calls yeah. and, and emails from members of the public yeah. just saying how distressing it was. Like they're they're having to walk past there with their children or yeah. driving by on the bus or you know in their own and a horse and, and a foal just horse lying there dead and, and, and it is as Deborah said it's, it's very disrespectful to the animals yeah as well yeah it's, you know it's not just distressing for for people to for see, people to see. Yeah. It's, it's it's a disrespect to the animals themselves that they're just left lying there and yeah. kids had been had been messing around the foal and had 
tape pulled the fold out, we think. Oh, Lord. Been, yeah, okay. Dogs have been at it and stuff. Oh, so. Lord God. I'm talking with Deborah Kenny and Owen Cullen from My Lovely Horse Rescue. Just before the break, we were chatting about the distressing image of a mare and her foal that were left at the side of the canal in Dublin. And we were chatting about how distressing that was for people, but also the effect it has on people walking past, maybe with their children or coming home from work and seeing that. And the animal was left there for a number of days and you were saying had probably been yeah. interfered with by, by dogs or, or maybe kids or yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, what kind of society are we living in that allows this sort of thing to happen? I mean, the animal died, that's distressing yeah. enough, but she's left there, yeah. worthless. Yeah, yeah. No, it is awful. It's disgusting. Yeah, we, we talk about indiscriminate breeding a lot. Mm. And it, it happens an awful lot around urban areas in, 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 in Dublin um, where horses are just left at the side of the road or, or they're put into fields because, you know, the guys that own them reckon they've no stables or they don't they can't afford stables so they just put them into into um, private, private land, land or council, or council land, land. Yeah. Mm. and what happens is is that there, there's going to be a couple of mares in there and then one guy will come along and introduce a stallion mm-hmm. and the stallion is going to do what comes natural yes, mm-hmm. you know, and if there's four or five there, mares yeah. in there or if there's 40 mares in there yeah. he'll cover all of them if he, if he can yeah. and this is where you get the indiscriminate breeding coming from, you know, and that's then you get situations like that on the side of the canal where, you know, she was yeah. trying to have her fall and got into distress. And, and yeah. there was nobody there to help her. Nope. Nobody, nobody even knew. Nope. Nope. What is the worst? Do you think it's the city? The cities, no. uh, the countryside is it? The country's the same, yeah. The yeah. country's the You've same. Got it everywhere. Like in the in the city, we're trying to get it get it banned. You shouldn't be allowed to have a horse on on public land. Like it's a council land. It's a public land. We're working with Dublin City Council at the moment um, on a lot of projects uh, between Clondalk and uh, Cherry Orchard uh, and over the Finglas area. And we're we're trying to we're trying to work with it and let let them have like you got the equine places there, but you shouldn't be allowed to have a, a horse. On public land, on council land, or in your back garden, it should just like they're tethered to the side of the side of the road. I was down in Limerick on Tuesday, coming back up with the horse box, and there's two horses tied on the side of the road, where like tethered with the mm. with the blue rope, and they had enough rope that they could walk out onto a main dual carriageway. And like we stopped to try hoosh them back in. There's nothing we can do. We had a horse box with, with, with animals in it. And we can't, we couldn't, obviously you can't just take them off the side of the road because you have to get the pound and the council has to be informed. We can't just go in and start taking people's horses. But this, you can't, you shouldn't be allowed to do that. But you know? people are doing people it. Are it's doing all it over the country. It's not, it's not it's I was time. talking to you off air and saying I saw, I was driving through Blanchardstown in Dublin yeah. and, and there's horses in the front little strip of grass in housing estates yeah. tied to the railings. Yeah. And yeah, it's happening everywhere. And are they left there? They're, presumably they're taken in at night. Or are they? Uh, okay. some they're not, all, not always. No, not some always. are. Now, some, some kids and some people out there are trying to do their best for them and are looking after them and are putting them out on council land. But then they're, they're leaving them at night time or they're leaving them out and they go off to work or they go off the day or whatever. Mm. So then you've got other people come in, take that horse, run it around, beat it up, could do anything to it. Yeah. And and then it's left, and then they're not giving a water. Maybe they'll they'll tie it up to give it enough bit of grass. But then that grass goes. And what else have they got? You and know. you guys are working with the Gardaí, the authorities, yeah. and the Department of Agriculture to try to combat yeah. all of this sort of stuff. I mean, there is legislation in place in terms there of is. the Animal Health and Welfare Act. There is. I mean, in your opinion, this legislation does it go far enough? Yeah, I mean, to to a degree, the, the legislation itself is quite good. Um, but the problem is the enforcement of it. Um, there's not enough knowledge within the authorities themselves. Um, the, you know, they like the Gardaí, um 
wouldn't know the ins the the legislation inside out, mm. the animal welfare um, legislation inside out, and a lot of a lot of stations don't realise or Gardaí don't realise the actual power they have, and um, they are authorised officers, um, both themselves and um, I think it's the the pounds. They're the only ones that have the authority to enter private land. To seize, seize an animal, horses. yeah, the guard they can go on private land. In a lot of situations, land, they? they don't realise it. It's not the guard's fault. It's, it's, no. it's not their fault because it's not, it's not, it's not spoke about. It's, mm. it's not that they're going to be brought up for them in Templemore. Like we did it, we uh, did a thing in Templemore there a couple of months ago, and they've invited us back again to have a talk with all the new recruits when they're coming out, so that they know what like what they're allowed doing the under the animal welfare, but couple of them actually coming down to the farm to meet us because they were so interested in it. Okay. Yeah, well, that's a great step involved. forward, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we get just I, two there's, out there's of a, a lot couple of hundred um, even. It's amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of Garda stations that are looking for us to come to them and give presentations yeah. on a constant basis just yeah. to kind of... Um, give them information. Give as much information yeah. as we can. We, we also try to bring education to schools. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we give presentations in schools. We, we'll go anywhere. Um, anywhere around the country, yeah. really, you know, because um, that's the future, isn't it? Done. It's the children that yeah. are coming up. Yeah, yeah. the children there, that are growing there are up. So exactly. many genuine horse owners and in, horse in lovers, yeah. exactly. who, who love horses yeah. and want to care for them. Yeah. Um, and what we'll always say is, look, we'll help if we can. Yeah. But they need to come to us and tell us they need yeah. help. Yeah. There's no and point in you know taking ownership of a horse and then leaving it in a field yeah. for yeah. it to be neglected or yeah. to be abused by somebody else not yeah. necessarily the person that owns exactly. it as Deb said yeah. but for somebody else to come into the field and just abuse it you know yeah. so. and also they, they don't realise like kids and people they don't realise how much it is like a horse needs to see it needs to see a dentist once a year that's expensive mm-hmm. it needs to see a fire at least every six weeks it needs feed it needs like it needs so much it needs worming on mm-hmm. a constant basis like it needs so much they're expensive and a horse its body is a lot different to a dog you can give a dog feed a couple of times a day goes to the vet whenever needed it's so different with a horse they're a massive. They're such a big animal. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. They are. Their insides just work so much. If they're so delicate. They're yeah, so, they so are. Delicate. They look like yeah, big, strong such, animals. Yeah. Such a big, yeah. strong animal. They're so they delicate. An amazing animal and so strong and big. Yeah. God love them. They're so delicate. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
affected on the yeah. So that's why you need you need to have eyes on them all the time. You need yeah. to watch what's going on with them, and um, you need to be educated to know exactly. what to look out for. Exactly, exactly. You know, to know the signs if one is getting sick, exactly. or he's not acting the way he normally would, or just yeah. to see small little differences in their behaviour. Yeah. But also, if if a, a child wants, and I know when we're all little girls, especially, and I know myself when I was young, I want a horse, I want a horse, I want a mm. pony, and my next door neighbour had a pony yeah. called Fernando. I remember back in the seventies, <laughs> a beautiful. We have a volunteer called Fernando. Yeah, well, there yeah. was a pony in County Galway <laughs> called Fernando one time. And um, I remember being so envious of this girl next door. And my, and we had a huge back garden, which I thought that would do grand for a pony. Yeah. But no, my parents were having... Have you rang her and told her now you have three? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I used to have four donkeys and now I have three ponies. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, we have a text in from somebody who says, I believe you can buy a horse for as little as 50 euro now. They're valued so little. It's no wonder um, their, val- their value is... At, it's very hard to read this. It's like a throwaway culture with horses, which is yeah. terrible. That yeah, came in on we, WhatsApp. We know for a fact you can buy a horse in the Dublin area um, and surrounding areas for like a pack of cigarettes. Uh, they're oh, good, swapping good. mobile phones. Yeah. They're swapping euro. just horses. And this is worth it doing because now the now that the summer, sorry, now the summer's coming in, they'll be swapping them left, right, and centre, and just riding them to the ground, leaving them, and they'll just eventually just die because they're not being given water, and water, water, water is what they need with the good weather coming in. Yeah. Because what we'll do is as well, we end up going out and with buckets of water. All of our volunteers, we have an amazing group of volunteers, and everybody goes out with buckets of water and puts down buckets of water with bats, whether we have to do that, mm. um, just trying to get water to the horses. Yeah. And it's constant. And sure, there's that, wasn't there that story last week of that beautiful racehorse that was bought for, what, 250,000? Yeah. Phil- Philomena or War Celeste. Yeah, is, we called her, her Philomena. Fi- Officially, yeah. we renamed her Philomena. All, yeah. all our animals, we give all our animals human names. Yeah. yeah. Because there's a lot more empathy surrounds human are, names there are babies yeah. Yeah. Or Rover or and yeah. how did that happen that that horse that cost a quarter of a million yes. pounds sterling ends up starving yes. and neglected mm. I mean how did things like that happen yeah. well people are saying to us going oh you must have known who she was and when you went down there and we hadn't oh, sure she was unrecognisable from the clue. we were called um, the Department of Ag gave us a call asked us to give a hand with moving a couple of horses um, out of Cork out of this which we can't speak about, but out of this place in Cork. And um, we said, yeah, we'll go down. So Owen and myself went down with the two horse boxes um, arrived down. There's this horrific, horrific scene, um, which we're, I'm, we're doing this. Well, I'm doing this for nine years nearly. And mm. I've never seen something yeah. that, that you could live beside that of what was going on on that farm. It was horrendous. Yeah. Um, we went in and, and uh, the four, we ended up taking four. The, the department were going to put the four down. Yeah, the, that we took it back up to Dublin, and I we walked in and saw there was Philomena, who's now Warsaw's, mm. um, Big John, John Kelly, and um, Deborah. 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 Oh, called yeah. after yourself. Yeah, yeah they named <laughs> the one that had to be put down after me. Oh God. <laughs> okay, but uh, oh, listen, she she was she was an sweetheart. But we we just walked in and just said, no, we'll we'll take them. I'm not having them put down here because it was it was an awful place so I said no if they go down the box and we need to put them down on, on, on route we'll do that but, but we'll just get them out of there and the department yeah. like we're delighted your man gave me a hug he was so thrilled that we'd actually take them out yeah. now Deborah got put down after after a week um, and yeah. the other three they're yeah. still but doing it, it they're still doing okay you, are they it yeah. just shows you that it doesn't matter whether the horse is born in a field in Dublin or Limerick or Cork or whether it's born in a top riding stables it doesn't matter 
the yeah. same thing can happen can to absolutely them. happen yeah can it's, happen yeah. To them. it's not good it's not right we've had a lot of thoroughbreds come in we've a lot of thoroughbreds that we've taken in that they're just who sort are chipped of in under very well known people just abandoned and they're just abandoned when they're, they're not worth abandoned. anything anymore exactly yeah. 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 they're not exactly. good enough to race or yeah. win money or prizes yeah. so guys listen we're going to have to wrap it can you believe it oh, well. it's wow. happened that's, that's gone by <laughs> so fast but I just want to ask you one last thing if people want to help you and there's loads of good people out there and you're always fundraising constantly so how can people get in touch how can they find out about you well we have a website um, it's www.mylovelyhorse.ie um, and in there you can donate which we are in dire straits we need funding mm-hmm. we need people yeah. to give us money we need we need uh, you can do a monthly donation which would be yeah, absolutely we're, amazing we're, we're for looking us to si- get as many people as we can to sign up yeah. for a monthly donation yeah. mm-hmm. we need people to help as us as little as five euro a month yeah, even, yeah. all house we can't we can't keep doing this without no. the public's help yeah. we can't we're all volunteers everybody has a full time job we're trying to do this in our spare time my job is I'm losing on that but we need to keep this going and if everybody could just even as I keep on saying if everybody on even on our, our Facebook could give a euro each we we could yeah. just but, keep but something look out for us all going. the time we do you know, packs and you yeah. know we, we, so keep we an eye on yes exactly with your bright orange jackets you're instantly yeah. recognisable yeah, yeah, out there yeah, yeah. I just us. want to end on a lovely note your goal your motto I read this on your blog this morning your goal to protect the right of all horses to not just a life but a life worth living absolutely Deborah Owen my lovely horse rescue thanks a million for coming into John, studio thank today thank you John thanks a million thank you with Blackstone Motors, setting the standard tyre for award-winning customer service you can trust. Visit the regional dealer for Renault and Dacia in the Northeast for exclusive launch offers with lowest can be APR finance and finance arranged within four hours. Dare to live? And you're very welcome back to Late Lunch this afternoon. Don't forget you can call us or text us on WhatsApp. The number is 86 658 Now I'm joined in studio by four people here who will be attending the 10th annual Irish Food Festival this weekend. Sheridan's Cheesemongers, of course, responsible for that. Visitors can expect an array of sumptuous products from over 100 of Ireland's greatest food producers. Now in studio I'm joined with Frank Moiner who is the retail and online manager for Sheridan's Cheesemakers. I hope I pronounced that alright did yeah, I Frank? Yeah not too bad, thank you very oh, much. Oh not too bad okay, award winning <laughs> butcher Hugh Maguire from the Smoking Butcher, how are you Hugh, are you well? Very well thank you. Michael Finnegan, Boyne Valley Blue Cheese. Hello. A neighbour of my own so we needn't pretend that we don't know each other because we do. Yes, and yes. Hilary McGrath Hilary how are you? Very well John, thank you're you. You're new now and we'll just, yes. you're the new girl on the block Absolutely. but you're going to launch your 
bit on the side. My bit on the side. Your bit on the side. It's a range of jellies. It is. It's a brilliant name. Thank you. I'll come back to you in a couple of minutes. But I just want to talk to you first, Frank, if I may. The Food Festival this weekend in its 10th year. What can people expect? So basically, yeah, 10 years. So we've we've opened our shop at Sheridan's about 10 years ago. We had an idea all that time. Uh, let's invite a few friends, people we know. Uh, so we're having basically producer, artisan producer. This is basically a family day out. Uh, it's a celebration of Irish food. Mm-hmm. So we're having over 100 different stalls from the four provinces of Ireland, from... You know, drinks, cheese, uh, meats, uh, absolutely everything, beekeeping. Yes, I've seen the list here. There's going to be chocolate and cakes and cheeses, all sorts of different produce from all four corners of Ireland. Exactly. And where is it on? It's on on Sunday 26th? It's on on Sunday 26th on the grounds of uh, of uh, Sheridan's Cheesemongers next to the Forge restaurant. Uh, In the so Virginia Road. Exactly. Okay, on County Mead. Okay, so tell us a little bit about the type of, of cheeses that Sheridan's Cheesemongers would make. Well, we as we are cheesemongers, we don't make cheese, so we 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 are uh, we select, uh, distribute, and we mature different types of cheese. Mm-hmm. So the adventure started about uh, twenty five years ago in Galway uh, with brothers uh, Seamus and Kevin Sheridan. So the idea, the 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 philosophy behind is really to source, you know, the best, the best, the yeah. best from Ireland and also from uh, from Europe, worldwide cheeses, then. Pretty much. Pretty yeah. much. Well, and I mean, you, Europe mostly. But, Europe uh, mostly. Do you export from Ireland then to markets around the world? We do. We have uh, our own brands of uh, crackers. We work closely with uh, cheesemongers in uh, in the UK. So it's a it's a big deal. Sheridan's is really at the forefront of artisan uh, Irish artisan cheese. And speaking of cheese, the man beside you here, Michael Finnegan. Michael, tell us about your um, goat farm and your goat's cheese. It's been That's a huge it. success. Yeah, so I suppose I'm milking uh, 250 goats uh, just down the road from you uh, outside Slane, in between Navin and Slane, and uh, I make cheese as well. Yeah, so I make a blue goat's cheese and a white goat's cheese. And how did you decide to start into this kind of business? Uh, well, I suppose uh, when I started off milking goats about 10 years ago, uh, all my milk went to Glenisk for the yogurts and the, and the milk. Um, and basically from that, I said, Do you know what, I'd like to have my own product as well. Uh, and so I still supply half my milk to Glenisk and then the other half now I uh, turn into, into cheese. And how did you even think, oh, I'm just going to make cheese? Well, there was uh, quite a few options. So I could have bottled milk or made yogurt. Yeah. Um, or made ice cream um, but we kind of settled on cheese it was a kind of the handiest one all around and I, I love cheese myself oh so. so do I yeah so 250 goats what yeah. time do you get up in the morning I start at 6 in the morning so I think I suppose similar to a lot of people who have to commute but I just have to walk 10 seconds so I'm not too bad <laughs> so tell us about the animals the type of goats yeah so I have four different breeds of goats oh, um, right. uh, I, I suppose uh, people would know the Frisian cow we have a, a goat similar to that who would give a lot of milk and then we would have some like the Jersey as well which would give less milk and higher kind of butterfat and protein so we've got a mix of different milks which are good for cheese making and how long does it take say you go in you milk the goats and then how long does it take for I, well, I the cheese you have in front of you here now oh, I'm looking at yeah, well, I suppose uh, these cheeses here are matured for about two months uh, and I can mature them longer for some chefs and uh, shops and things want them kind of uh, more mature and a bit more, bit yeah, more strength. Yeah, that very blue, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah there's one. plenty of blue in that. And so you can see on the inside there, yeah. there's lots of blue going on. Yeah. Uh, so we started off, we were just a blue cheesemaker uh, and then we built a new facility a couple of years ago and it allowed us to expand and now we've got a white cheese because I think not everybody likes blue cheese and now the yeah. white cheese is selling more basically than the blue. So oh, really? we're very happy now. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, well, listen, we're going to chat a bit more about this. We're going to come to Hillary and Hugh talking 
all things food. We're talking about the Irish Food Festival, which is happening this Sunday, 26th of May at Virginia Road Station Headquarters in County Meath. I'm coming over to you now, Hugh. Hugh Maguire, you're well known as a butcher, of course, in County Meath, now known as the Smoking Butcher. That's right. Tell me how that came about. 2017, we won the Great Taste Supreme Champion in London for our smoked black pudding. Right. So we had to come up with a brand name, and that was what we decided after a few late nights and early mornings, we came up with the, with the idea of the smoking butcher. And why did you decide to go down this route? Well, it was, it was an unusual product. In one way, it was an artisan product that has been made in right across Europe for, for centuries. Right. But uh, we, I went back the old way of making it, using everything natural from salt, spices, natural skin and fresh pig's blood, which is the old artisan way of making it. And then I smoked it. That's what I was going to say. I'm just looking at it here in front of me. And, and how does it, you go to the supermarket, you pick up your packet of black pudding, white pudding. Is you, how is this different? Well, it's natural skin, number one. That protects it, that okay. you fill it into. Right. And then you smoke it because the smoke permeates through the skin. Mm. It's, it's the intestine of the of the pig which is cleaned out and then it's filled with the right okay and, and that's the old way of doing it that's how that's they did how it the old, that's how sausages were smoked for generations I remember my mother talking about that when she was young talking yeah. about mixing the blood and stuff in, and the, yeah. like blood and porridge really yeah it's oatmeal and pinhead oatmeal and, and flake meal right okay and you put in your onion and, and your spices oh right okay and then the smoke permeates through the natural skin naturally and gives it that flavour. Gives it that extra bit of flavour and preservation uh, you know, qualities as well. Oh, right, OK. So you've won awards for this. You've won numerous awards. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, the first award, I suppose, we won the, we won national awards here in Ireland, but the Eurotalk was very was an excellent award I won, and I, you know, I cherish that very much so because it was presented to me by the late Myrtle Allen. Oh, lovely, yeah. And she recognised it as a, an excellent product at yeah. the time. But it's the same product, again, that we entered in The Great Taste. And out of 13,500 answers, we got the Supreme Champion. Which was, well, that's know, a great achievement. It was. Yeah, it well was. Done. It was. It, yeah. I wasn't. Be honest with you, I wasn't expecting it because of such high standard. Yeah. But to win it with, you know, an old artisan product, it was great. Yeah. That's know. congrats on that. That's a great achievement yeah. altogether. I'm going to come now to the lady right beside you, who's waiting her turn patiently here. Hillary. Hillary, you're very welcome. Hillary Thank McGrath. You, you live. You come from near Oldcastle. Is Old that Castle, right? Yeah, Moyla, Oldcastle. Okay. Yeah. I love the name of your new product. A bit on the side. A bit on Brilliant. the side. Tell yeah, us about it. it what does. is it? Okay. So it's a gourmet savoury jelly. So I suppose. The way that you'd explain it really is if you think of your old-fashioned mint jelly that mm. you would serve with lamb, okay? Right. Yeah. So then this is a whole range of different flavours, okay? But using the, the same base, the jelly base, okay? And then different flavours. So then what I decided was um, we had moved home from Canada and I used to be able to buy the red jalapeno jelly in Canada and I couldn't get it here. Yeah. So I thought, right, well, I'll make it because I can't get it. So then I realised, well, there's, there's a whole niche in the market. There's no range of jellies, really. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I thought... Why don't I put together my favourite and my family's favourite flavours? Like, say, for example, the rosé wine with pink peppercorn. I love pink peppercorns. So right. I thought that would, that would even... I love rosé wine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Me too. Will you have it with this now? And it's lovely. And I just thought, they look so good because I thought food has to look good as well. And I thought, they look so good. They're going into a jelly. So then I kind of researched what kind of a base, you know, or what other flavours it would pair with. So then the rosé was probably sitting right beside the pink <laughs> And you thought that I'd love a bit two. of that in exactly. there with that. Put the two together, a match made in heaven. And what would you yeah. serve this with? Okay, How so do 
do you eat it? Well, primarily what I like is on, you know, a little bit of cream cheese and crackers. Okay. Okay. Now, so that's kind of the good old fashioned go to one. Mm. You can use it, as, you know, as a topping on a lot of different hors d'oeuvres. You can use it as a glaze when you're just, just before you finish roasting your meat, like say the apple or sorry, the cider and sage, you could put on pork, you know, um, just before you finish cooking it, yeah. you know, maybe 10 minutes before cooking, give it a nice crispiness and get the flavour of the sage and the cider into it. Um, I like to, to use it as a salad dressing, so you can mix any of them with a little bit of mayo. Um, right, okay, and yeah. some either, maybe some other flavour like. or something, oh, exactly. maybe, would you? Well, yeah, you can mix it with olive oil and vinegar and make a salad dressing um, or your mayonnaise and a few spices and um, yeah, mix it, mix it up. So yeah, so the idea is to, you know, to have is something that's versatile you know absolutely versatile and even just having it on a piece of toast and cream cheese the packaging is very feminine I was just saying to you they look like beauty products they look right. like tubs of they're pretty. face cream they're very pretty yeah. and well, the now pale my green colour they do stand uh, uh, out yeah my daughter Fiona is an artist and she came up with most of the ideas now we have a really good designer Sheila Hackett down in Tipperary and she came up with the little the little images for each one and she worked closely so it was really Sheila and my daughter Fiona who, who worked on that I like the colour it was I picked the colour but apart from that I left it to them because they knew what they were doing Yeah, and uh, and I left it and it, yeah it is something that always grabs everybody's attention So you're about to launch them are you launching them this weekend We're at the launching festival? them yeah um, between Sheridan's and then at, at Bloom then this this year as well oh, yeah. right, So okay. it's just it's just a newborn baby now at this stage so it is so A newborn it's, it's, baby but it's taken off big time it will it, take off Yeah see it I hopefully will. Thank you Joan oh, Hopefully it will after this yeah. and they look beautiful and I'm sure they taste beautiful Do they all have alcohol in them or is just that one with the rosé <laughs> wine? Well <laughs> Unfortunately, Joan, the alcohol gets burnt off. All oh, right, okay, but it starts off that way. It, it starts off life, but yeah, as it as it turns out, God, uh, there's probably three of them. So actually, I call those my boozy bit on the side, uh, the ones. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Brilliant. The red jalapeno okay. would be my hot bit on the side and then the other two would be my tasty bit on the side. Oh, it's a pity we didn't organise this better and we could have had plates and knives in here and we could have had the pudding cooked, we could have had knives Absolutely. and spoons, Michael's cheese all sliced yeah. up and we'd have been all nicely set leave. up for the day. No, we wouldn't. We'd stay yeah, here. We Only here. I do have another item after you guys. <laughs> Michael, can I come back to you for a minute? From the minute that you go in and you say, um, right, I'm going to make a new batch of cheese today until it's ready and sitting there like that with the label on it and looking lovely. How long does that take? generally yeah, well, I suppose it takes about six to eight weeks uh, in general um, yeah. for, but as I said you know, I can make them younger or, or older to suit different uh, different tastes and demands all right, okay. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, when we're talking about cheese, I'm coming back to you, Frank, if I can, for a moment. Um, with the cheese, Michael has the blue and the bond. Do you think of Irish people's um, tastes and attitudes to cheese? It used to be when I was growing up and probably when all of you guys were growing up, you had your Calvita slices and you had your, your cheddar and that was it. Irish people have changed, haven't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the the revival of Irish cheese started in the less in the late seventies, and now for for a small island, we have a vast array of uh, of choices. So yes, absolutely, it's right there. Is the best seller the best? Um, selling cheese in Ireland at the minute is it a European cheese or is it still an Irish produced cheese? Do you think? Do we know? Is a French cheese is hugely popular here? Yes, the Comté from France definitely on top of the list. Parmigiano Reggiano, our aka yeah. Parmesan from Italy, would be there. But you know, people in Ireland are very, very faithful to their own 
production. Michael, where's your cheese available? Is it available all over the place? Is it easy, yeah, easy so to get? Sheridans have expanded loads in the last few years, so it's in all the Sheridans shops uh, around the, the country. Uh, also in quite a few other artisan cheese shops. And then uh, a lot of my cheese will go to restaurants. So, you know, you'd see it in a lot of um, kind of eateries around the country. Yeah. So you're all Hugh and Hilary, Michael, everyone here is taking part on Sunday. Yeah, you're all going to be at right, the festival yes. on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you're all going to be showing your produce and can we, people come up and taste? Yeah. Have a little Absolutely. taste test about it? Absolutely. Okay, so if people want to um, just arrive at the gate, what is the entrance fee or do you have to buy tickets for this? Not at all. You just show up. We have a uh, free parking. Uh, it's only five euro per person, uh, adults. Uh, mm. Kids are in free. Uh, we'll have a, a wee farm and farm animals on site, uh, an emphasis on beekeeping and recycling this year. Uh, we'll have workshops for kids. They're free with Olivia Goodwillie about uh, making brown bread and uh, uh, butter and how to uh, work with vegetables. So it, it's a lot of fun, music. It's a real family day out. Uh, no pretension. It's just this is as, 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 as it gets. And this is its 10th year. Yes. So it's yes. been a huge success. Yeah. So, I mean, you've had 7,000 plus visitors come through the, the food festival over oh, every year. You every year. Every yeah. year. So hopefully this year will be more. Of course, we'd be dependent on the weather for this yeah, weekend. It, it doesn't really matter. I mean, people have been so faithful. Uh, it's always enjoyable. I think it's looking good anyway. It is. Yeah. Uh, so, um, no, we'll take it and we, we look forward to see everyone again. Okay, thank you all for coming into studio. I just want to thank Frank and Michael and Hugh and Hilary and the best of luck with everything. And I look forward to seeing you. I'll be there on Sunday, so I look forward to seeing you all. Thanks again. Bye bye. Thank you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, setting the standards higher for award winning customer service you can trust. Visit the regional dealer for Renault and Dacia in the Northeast for exclusive launch offers with the lowest can be APR finance and finance arranged within four hours. Dare to live? Now you're very well welcome back to Late Lunch. The number to call with your comments or your questions 0861800658. Now if I said the words sound therapy, would you know exactly what I mean? Well, it's an ancient therapy used thousands of years ago which has seen a revival in recent years using the power of sound to heal. My next guest is like having an oasis of calm in the studio <laughs> here with me. He's a sound therapist and bioenergy healer based in Slane and he in studio with me now, Graham Goff. You're very welcome. Thank you very much, Joan. Graham, this isn't our first meeting, of course, because I have been to some of your sound therapy sessions. But for some people who've never heard about this kind of therapy, can you explain to us what sound therapy is? Well, the whole bodies work on frequency and vibration. And the sound has a, a fantastic effect on it. It can, it can bring up emotions in some people. It can make some people very calm, very relaxed. And it's, it's a very powerful form of therapy. It will sort of give you what you need. So whatever your body needs at the time, the sound will, will give you. And how does it actually work, Graham? I mean, what do you do? You walk in the door to one of your sound therapy sessions and just describe the scene for me. Normally the scene is, the instruments I use is I have two gongs, I have two peisty planetary gongs, a 38 inch sun gong which is tuned to the frequency of the sun and a sound creation earth gong. I also have Tibetan singing bowls, I have seven crystal chakra bowls, I have koshi chimes, rain stick, different types of chimes. And And you've brought some of them in here and we'll demonstrate a little bit of those a little while later on now. But 
So you're saying we're all made up of energy. We're all made up of vibration. The yes. human beings, animals, anything that's living on yes. the planet, basically, is that right? Yes. Is made up of energy and vibration. So then what effect then does, I mean, we all listen to music and stuff, but this is different. This is at a different frequency, is it? So it has an effect on the body. I mean, music makes people feel good. That's that's known. What type of music is this and what kind of effect does it have on your body? Well, the gong is... Uh, the gong has so many overtones. It's the only instrument in the world that the mind will submit to. So the fact that it has so many overtones on so many frequencies, the brain cannot listen to them all. So it just goes into a total state of relaxation. It's the same with the Tibetan bowls, because as they say, Tibetan bowls are like a gong, a horizontal gong. We also have seven chakra singing bowls, and each bowl works with each of the seven main chakras. So it starts working with the root, the sacral chakra, the solar plexus, the heart, the throat, the third eye and the crown. And each one has a certain frequency and it corresponds with the f- certain frequencies in the body. So you have something wrong, say you have a headache, you you walk in, you have a headache or you have a pain. And like I pulled a muscle in my neck this morning now, just blow drying my hair. Very simply done. Yeah. And, and you're saying sound th- therapy can help that. Sound therapy is very effective. Uh, with some of the results I've gotten just from a couple of weeks, uh, one woman there, anxiety issues completely just went away. Another woman... She had very bad circulation in her feet. That completely went away. There was another man who suffered a bad accident a couple of months ago. Couldn't sleep at all. He's sleeping better now after the sound therapy. So whatever ailments, whatever issues we have in our body, the sound really, it goes in. It connects with the frequency because every disease, every illness we have is works off a certain frequency as well. So when you come into one of your sound therapy sessions, and I'll describe it because I've been there, you come in, you lie down on a lovely big bean bag on the floor, you have a lovely fleecy blanket to cover you, you have a pillow for your head. It's totally, totally relaxing. So even if you're a sceptic, we'll say, let's just say someone is sceptical about this, what they're going to get is an hour of peace and quiet and, and clearing their mind. And, you know, do you get many people coming along, we'll say, with friends and they're sceptical about the whole thing and then they're coming back to you the next week saying, I really got something out of this? They do. And it's nearly the people that are the sceptics that it really affects the most. So it does. Now, sometimes it can bring up emotions. Sometimes the sound can bring up uncomfortable feelings. But mm. it's during them sessions that it's the people that's having the best effects. So they are. How did you get into it, Graeme? How did you qualify as a sound therapist? What, what was your, how did you get interested in it in the first place? A couple of years ago, I qualified as a bioenergy therapist with Ushing School of Bioenergy down in Mullingar. And part of the course, we did sound therapy. So I just, I just fell in love with it straight away. I would have a little bit of music in my background. My father would have been playing music all through the mm. years and that. And it, it's just something that really just struck home with me. And you just mentioned bioenergy there. We didn't really touch on that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that's another one of your skills. Well, bioenergy therapy, it's, it's proven, scientifically proven that we all have an energy field around us. So what the bioenergy does is when we have disease or illness like that, the energy field can get blocked. So the bioenergy helps to unblock the blockages in the energy field and then our own natural healing takes over and kicks in. And would you call yourself a healer or do you think anybody can call themselves a healer? No, definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, The only person we can heal is ourselves 
and with the bioenergy it just tries to unblock the blockages in the energy field and then the client's body heals itself. And what type of people generally come to you? Is it somebody um, just looking for a sort of headspace or people with very serious ailments come to you, Graham? Absolutely, anybody anybody and everything with the bioenergy we can walk from a full immune system boost all the way up to neurological disease the likes of ms cancers tumors things like that it it, it covers a massive spectrum of illnesses and diseases and i do believe that you can work with animals yes. as well as as yes. human beings yeah and how uh, how would you do that how, how can i can't even imagine how that would work how you get an animal to stand still for a start well the animals animals are very similar to our own makeup of body and they also have a chakra system as well so and they're very very open to energy therapy so anybody that would be a little bit skeptical about energy therapy or sound therapy bring along your dog or your cat and it'll definitely change things really yeah well i think it's time now to introduce some of these beautiful implements that you've brought along today so uh can you tell me first of all we have three beautiful bowls sitting on beautiful velvet cushions can i call them that yeah um can you describe these bowls what they're made from they're gold in color but what are what are they made from graham these are Tibetan singing bowls. They're made up of 12 metals. And uh, one bowl is for the pelvis area. One bowl is for the heart area. And then the other bowl is a joint bowl. Now, any of these bowls can be used on the body also. So if someone has a sore wrist or a little bit of arthritis or anything like that, you can put the joint bowl on and just give it a couple of taps for a couple of minutes. OK, do you want to demonstrate that one? Because we're yes. it's the closest to the microphone. So this is the one for joints. Yeah. And that's it. That's what you do. You just... Yeah. It goes on forever. It does. Brilliant sustain. The fact that there's 12 metals in it to sustain in it is fantastic. And the big one, what's the difference? This the pelvis. And you're telling me you place this on, if somebody has a sore wrist or foot, yes. or you put the bowl on the actual yeah, limb. Yeah, you can put the bowl on the limb. And the vibration and the frequency from the bowl, especially the vibration, will go through and it'll affect the the. the the bad joint. So it actually vibrates through your body. Exactly. And these here in front of me, these are chimes, are they, Graham? Do these you are give Koshi us a chimes. These are from Japan. Bring it over here to this mic, so or your own mic there, so we can have a little listen to it, how it sounds. Beautiful sound. What are these used for? They're just part of the sound therapy as well. Okay. This one here is fire to come in different frequencies and mm. this one here represents water oh the two of those together you could just sleep they're beautiful that is absolutely gorgeous now as I said I've been to one of the therapy sessions so yes. I, I know what's involved with it and I had said to you before about my favourite sound <laughs> so you kindly brought that in so I'm not going to say what it is and I'll let the listeners guess what I got out of it it's there beside you do you want to demonstrate yes, this one particular sound hold it up there to your own microphone Graham, and, and give it a go and we'll see we'll see can Louise our producer guess what this is She's shaking her head at me in there. Does it sound like rain on a roof or it sounds to me like a pebble beach with the waves ebbing and flowing? That's what it sounds like to me. 
That's exactly it. It's known as an ocean drum. And it's basically a, a baron with hundreds of little ball bearings and they just run along the, the skin of the of the drum. And it makes that amazing sound. Beautiful. Listen, this world is so busy. It's crazy. Everyone's chasing their tails, rushing around everywhere. So, I mean, anything that gets people to stop. Exactly. Lie still for an hour. Exactly. Listen to soothing, calming noises. I mean... It has to be good. You know, you, you can be sceptical as you like, but anything that makes you sit still, lie still for an hour has to be good. So just tell me a little bit uh, before we, we leave it about the work that you do in Cool Mine. You're telling me that you do some work in Cool Mine. Yeah, I work in Cool Mine every Friday, Cool Mine Therapy. And uh, we work with the men's programme on one Friday and then the ladies' programme on the other Friday. So Cool Mine works with recovering drug addicts and alcoholics. And uh, as I say, every Friday I go up and we put out a couple of mats and fleeces and uh, people just lie down. Absolutely love it. It's a fantastic programme. So where can people get in touch? We have to wrap it up quickly, Graham. but where can people get in touch if they want to come along? In con- uh, website, healingtherapy.ie. My mobile is 086-865-0339 or Graham Golf Bioenergy on Facebook. Lovely stuff. I think we might close the show with a little bit of bioenergy so you can, you can play us out there, Graham. No problem. Thank you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Opening launch sales offers are now available from Blackstone Motors and we are giving away a 191 Renault Clio. Get down to Blackstone Motors showrooms in Dundalk or Drogheda now to enter. LMFM Podcasts. Brought to you with Cartmacross Credit Union, where dreaming of warmer climates becomes a reality with a Cartmacross Credit Union holiday loan. O'Neill Street, Cartmacross or CartmacrossCU.ie. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.